Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm Sarah McDonald, co-host, sitting in for Urban today. Get Urban's book, From Beer to the Bible, at frombeertothebible.com. Support Hampton Ministries at hamptonministries.org. Before we start with prayer, I'm going to say a verse from James 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Today we have a special guest, Lori Rowe, and I'm going to let Lori open us up in prayer today because Lori is my sister in Christ and my spiritual mentor, and I'm super excited that she's here, and she just is amazing at opening up with prayer and speaking. So, Lori? Thank you, Sarah. Um, If you'll close your eyes, Father, We just come to you in the name of Jesus, just thanking you, Father, that you're with us today. And as we tell our story, Father, I pray that someone listening will be touched and that, Father, that they can see recovery as possible. And, Lord, we just give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's get to it. Today we have a special guest, Lori Rowe. Lori Rowe is an LPC practicum student at B.H. Carroll Theological Institute. She's also a substance abuse counselor and interventionist. Lori is also my special friend. I've known Lori for probably about 10 years now, and she has gotten me through the most trying times in my life. She has supported me, and she's the first person that I call whenever I'm needing prayer and I'm needing a sister in Christ, and she really is my spiritual mentor. So, Lori, thank you for being here today, and with... um. With that, let's hear, we're going to hear Lori's testimony. Thank you, Sarah. Um, first of all, I feel like it's a privilege for me to be here and a privilege to tell my story because it's really about redemption. Um, when I started out, I was brought up in a really good family and went from debutante to drug addict. And um, I had wonderful parents that uh, did their best, but we weren't brought up in church. We went with my grandmother when we were younger, Um, and I used to say we were CEO Christians, you know, Christmas and Easter only, Mm -hmm. and so um, I wanted to know the Lord. I felt that from a very early age, and I remember giving my life to him when I was 13 at my grandmother's church in Archer City, Texas, so... Um, I remember that, but I was too scared to go in front of everybody on the Baptist church to walk that aisle. And um, as I got a little bit older, there had been some um, things that had happened in my life. And um, I had had a marriage that, you know, when you don't know God and you don't have a foundation to build on of knowing God and that um, three-strand cord, then, you know, your marriage doesn't work. And I was 19 years old, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I take full responsibility for messing that up. But in the process, um, I had started modeling. And, um, you know, I wanted, I always had a, a thing with weight that I needed to be thin enough to, to be able to go out and model. And um, the first time I had tried meth, um, I was uh, modeling. And I found, wow, uh, I could do this and and not gain weight. And, wow, I'm getting so much done. And I really wasn't. I was spiraling at the time. So um, when I'd gone down, my son at that time was uh, two years old. And by the time he was three, I'd gone down 
to pick him up from a visit with his father. And when I had gotten there, they had picked up and moved. And I didn't know where to find him. And so I was driving like a crazy woman, going town to town, trying to locate them. And instead of doing better, um, I dove headfirst into drugs. And um, the next thing I knew, it years had gone by, and I knew the higher I stayed, that the more I didn't have to deal with those feelings of, of the failure on my part because it was a huge failure. I see what I had done, you know. And um, I remember going to church after I had gotten cleaned up. I, when I found God, God met me where I was at, you know. He met me in the darkest places, and when he met me where I was, I could not get enough. You know, when you have an encounter with God and you really give your life to him, and it was like he I, he had thrown me a raft on a sinking ship, and I was just swimming over to that raft, and I had screwed up everything in my life. My family didn't have anything to do with me, my son, my um I had lost my son. Um, I, it had just been a huge disaster, and it had been 13 years that I hadn't spoken with my family. Um, I had tried to get clean and sober during that time and had written a letter to my family and said, you know, I'm doing well, I've, I'm, and I've been clean and sober. And by that time, uh, my family wasn't ready to accept me back right then. And instead of keeping on it threw me back into another tailspin and so so that spirit of rejection was really strong in my life right then and I found that I found a heavenly father that says I will never leave you or forsake you and that he said take heed before I was rejected before you were rejected I was and boy those scriptures were doing major things I had found myself in jail um, at one time and a lady had come up there and I see these moments God put people into my life strategically to bring me a message of hope and one of those messages was she had heard my my story and she gave me a scripture and it said though my parents reject me the Lord lifts me up and I thought wow he how could he love me I don't even love me right now and I really didn't love myself so when I found him I poured into getting to know him I watched every ministry show on TV and I watched uh, Christian music, and I had started going to a, a, a really small church, and I thought, ooh, I'll never tell these ladies what I've done, because if they know who I am, they're not going to like me, and I'm not going to be able to go here, and I'll never forget a wonderful lady named Gail Parks, and she was the Sunday school teacher at the time, and she told me, she said, one day I'd gone into Sunday school, and she said, you know, I feel the Lord leading me to an open discussion today. And have you ever had word vomit to where you just say something and then you want to put your hand over your mouth? Well, that's exactly what I did. I told them everything from be, going to jail to losing my son to losing my family. And then after I did it, I thought, well, you've done it now. You've opened your mouth and these people are going <laughs> to hate you. <laughs> and I had the, a totally different reaction. I remember the lady next to me, she turned around, and I'm crying, and she goes, oh, good grief, we thought you killed somebody, and I thought, <laughs> no, to me, I mean, it just made me feel loved, you know, they all came over, and they put their arms around me, and they loved me, 
And I was leaving there, and I felt like this ball and chain that I'd been carrying around for 13 years had just been cut. Absolutely, absolutely. I no longer had to live with the guilt and the shame because, see, it was easy at first to understand that God loved me, but I didn't love me yet. And I still didn't. Even after being saved, I still didn't because I carried the shame of what I had done. And I remember walking from my Sunday school class to the, I mean, to the sanctuary that day. And I heard God. And God said, I want you to plant a seed of faith for family restoration. And I'm going to restore your family. Okay, so I've told you all of the things leading up to it. Sending a letter and them not wanting to see me. And it had been 13 years, Sarah, on both accounts of all of this. So as I went in there, I came home. I told my husband, oh, my gosh, I told them everything, and they loved me anyway. And, (laughs) oh, my gosh, I heard God tell me that he was going to restore my family. And my husband's looking at me like, okay. (laughs) So three days later, how long was, was Christ dead in the grave, Sarah? Three days. And everybody had felt so hopeless, hadn't they? Absolutely. On that third day after doing this at at church, I get a phone call, and it's a private detective that I didn't hire that told me where my son was. And I'm, Lord, I'm jumping up and down, tears crying, going, oh, my gosh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I go out to the mailbox, and I take the mail out, and there's a letter from my mom and dad. That said, Lori, we love you, and we'll be getting in touch with you real soon. I hadn't talked to him in 13 years, Sarah, and it happened on the same day I got this phone call. And I look in the mailbox, and cards and letters are pouring in. And I open them up, and they're from the Sunday school class that says, we love you. We're praying for you. God loves you. And I felt like I was home. And you felt that burden lift off your shoulders. Oh, girl. And you felt freedom for the first time in a long time. That's right. And when I opened up that card, you know how God always puts his signature on stuff. You and I have talked about that a lot of times and how it it seems like we laugh at God. You're funny, God, because we know it's him. Well, I opened that letter from my Sunday school teacher, Gail Parks, the one I told you about. And guess what scripture she used on there? What? Though my parents forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. She had no way of knowing. That was the verse that got me turned around and giving my life to Christ. Lori, can you tell our listeners that verse one more time? Though my parents forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. I just want everybody to just meditate on that for a little bit. Because he is there for us. He is always there for us. Whether we feel alone and there's nobody else around, God is there. And all he wants is for us to, or he wants us to seek him. Right. And another thing that I found out, Sarah, is that I have to stay constantly in my word. I have to stay constantly in my prayer because I found something out. Without him, I'm nothing. Without him in every little corner of my life, I revert back to a person that I'm not proud of. It took a long time and years later for me to understand that God loved me and to be able to forgive myself was freeing. And I hope someone hears that today that may be be carrying around a burden and carrying that around as a ball and chain, that you can cast your burdens on him, that he will sustain you, 
he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. And I hope you understand there's nothing that you've done that God doesn't love you. He goes down and is to where you're doing the drugs right there. He's with you in those darkest moments, and he'll pull you up out of the pit if you'll let him. Yeah, there are so many times where I was in places that I shouldn't have been or I was, you know, so drunk that I didn't know where I was. And I swear God had to have had a protective just his arms around me somewhere because I should not be alive right now, you know? Yep. And I think about that all the time. And the more I um, get grounded in my faith and the more that I pray and the more that I do the work, um, I love that you talked about doing the work because this is a continual thing. Yep. The more we are in the word, the more God is there for us and he speaks to us. And, you know, step 11 talks about prayer and meditation. And that meditating part is so important because that's when God speaks to us and tells us things and, and tells us what he wants us to do. And um, I just, I love, I love your story. I love everything that you're talking about. Um, tell us a little bit more about um, your family and what happened whenever they came back into your life. It was a gradual thing. And, you know, I tell clients now that it wasn't them that ruined the trust, you know. And it was our job. It's our job to build that back. Now, my mom's my best friend. Uh, my brother and sister and I are closer than ever. I was able to be there when my father passed away. I had, um, and I, you know, God showed me, what if I had still been off in my addiction and lost somebody that I'd love? That guilt and shame would have been huge. Mm -hmm. And he's merciful like that to be able to bring you back into a, a, a time. And he fully restored that. So I also, my son was a huge part of my life right after I got the, the call uh, from the private detective. He told me where he was. We started a relationship. And I'll tell you where true healing began. Because before anything, I said, son, I'm so sorry. We, that I've done this. Will you forgive me? And we got that out front. Not to go back into the past of the things that, point fingers at other people, but to be accountable for the part that I had in all of this. And I told him, I'm so sorry. And, you know, he said, oh, mom, I forgave you a long time ago. I was there for all of my grandchildren being born. Our relationship was very strong. Um, and, you know, I, I am very thankful of what God did in my life right then to restore these relationships. One of the greatest things that um, I found, and I hope this helps somebody out there, there's a wonderful scripture that says, those who are forgiven much love much. And man, do I love Jesus. I mean, I love him. He oh, changed my life. <laughs> and I want to live my life to please him. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about your other children and how you've raised them to be children of the Lord through yep. your experiences and what you've gone through in the past? You know, when I was growing up, what's so funny is that all I wanted to be was a mom. I wanted to be a mom, and I had three boys and thought I had the flu, and a surprise, I had twins. And so it put me on children overload. So, you know, of doing things the wrong way, I wanted to really make sure these children knew God in a powerful way. And so when they were little, from the time they were little, we did um, Bible studies. They knew scripture. I uh, had one little boy that's ADHD, and he would tell me all the time uh, his 
scripture he quoted was, I know, I know, let the meditation of my mouth and the, I mean the meditation of my heart uh, and the meditation of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And because you never knew what was coming out of his mouth, truthfully. Um, <clears throat> and it was just an experience. They knew the Lord. Um, later on, I had an outreach for teenagers. Um, and, you know, have you ever been in ministry? And it was them that taught me. They taught me and they blessed me. And now they're all grown up and I still have an outreach ministry for adults. Um, that has been a huge blessing. Tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. Um, the outreach ministry. Um, it started 22 years ago and it was a group for overcomers, people that had been in drugs and alcohol. Um, and, you know, I've been very blessed. I know there's been over 100 people baptized in my swimming pool in the backyard. Um, and it's still going today. So, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for the friends and the sisterhood that it's created and a camaraderie. Um, I think God has taken it into a new direction this year, um, and I'm real excited about what that may look like. Tell us, so your first child, how old were you whenever you got saved by the Lord and you got sober? I got saved when I was 13, okay? So I know that I did because I know that's what brought me back to him at a later date. Um, I didn't serve him because I like I said, I wasn't brought up home in a home that went to church and could build on that foundation. Um, when I really found him, I was um, probably around 30 years old when I had rededicated my life to him. And from that moment on, my life was completely different. I loved what she said earlier because I know a little bit about Lori, and I know that she really was a debutante when she was growing up. <laughs> Um, so I love that we tag her from debutante to drug addict. So for anybody out there listening, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what kind of home you grow up in. Anybody can anybody can get help out there. Anybody can find redemption to, through Jesus Christ. Anybody can get recovery. I'm so thankful for Lori coming and, and agreeing to be on the show today. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to the listeners or tell the listeners about your story or about hope? Yes, I would. I would love to talk to you about intervention. There may be somebody listening right now that has a family member that is suffering from substance abuse, um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or um, maybe you just don't know who to call or where to turn to. Um, I'm also an interventionist, and so what an intervention is is when you have a family member that's suffering from um, drugs or alcohol and you need someone to come in and help you, maybe you've tried everything there is um, that you can, can to get them to go to treatment and they're either unwilling or they're not hearing you. And so if you call an interventionist, what we do is that we come in and we educate the family and we help the family get stronger and then we intervene on on the loved one that is suffering from uh, substance abuse. And what that looks like is, first of all, you get the family strong and that you form a united front and so that you will be strong when it comes to address that loved one. It's well rehearsed. It's well written out so that by the time you meet them that you can get your loved one to recovery. 
Um, Sarah, you know that we uh, use La Hacienda for a lot of these um, interventions and for a lot of the clients that um, we've done interventions on. Um, it's walking them through the process of getting clean and sober. So we work with the families. Um, at the end of the intervention, we take them directly to the facility to get help. And then we follow them afterwards to make sure that they have that journey to stay clean and sober. And Sarah, I would really love to end it in prayer. And I am so thankful that you've asked me to come on the show today um, because my heart, when you said Jesus in recovery, I was like, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> so I would love to end with prayer and maybe pray for somebody out there right now that's struggling and you don't know that there's help available. So I want to speak to you and Lord, Lord, I just pray right now for that person that's listening right now that doesn't know you, but they, they know they need help. And so father, just like you did for me and for Sarah, I pray that Lord, that you just touch someone and touch their spirit and let them know that they can call on you, father, that you're an ever present help in times of trouble. And Lord, I pray that they find the redemption and and the healing that only you bring, Father. And Lord, we just give you the glory. I thank you ahead of time for all you are and all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Don't forget, you can get Urban's book, From Beer to the Bible, at FromBeerToTheBible.com, and also support Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org. And we'll have more with Lori coming up. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal, and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back, everybody. Lori, you and I always talk about our misery is now our ministry. In 2 Timothy 9, God says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was the plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. How did how did you know that you were called to be in this ministry? How how are you how did you know that you wanted to become an interventionist and substance abuse counselor? What did that look like for you? Well, I hadn't gone to school yet and I was I was in ministry and when, I'll never forget one morning I woke up and I heard God so clearly. He said, get up, get up. My churches are sick. And I thought, okay. I didn't know I was going to start a second career at my age at that time. And um, 
decided to go back to school and um, I found I loved working with intervention, doing interventions. And interventions is helping the whole family get better and it's getting help when families don't know who to call. So if you have a family member and your family member is suffering and you don't know how to get help, I would love to speak with you. And you could call Interventions of Texas. My name is Lori Rowe. Call 817-235-0317. Again, that's 817-235-0317. And we would love to talk to you about getting help. Thank you so much for being here today, Lori. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.